Church, Pastor Mark here. This morning we're going to be watching a video. It's a video that uh, many of you may have seen before and it's a teaching on the principle of putting God first uh, using the example of tithing. It's by Robert Morris. I've thought many times about just uh, preaching it uh, myself and just kind of taking the different things that he says. But to be honest, he's gifted to speak about it. It's an excellent presentation. You'll learn about God, you'll learn about the principle of first, and you'll learn about tithing. Now, as I said, some of you would have seen this before because we show this every two years because I think it's an important principle. You know, there are pastors who don't really like to talk about giving and almost apologise for doing so, but I don't want to be one of those pastors because, to be honest, giving to God and trusting God with your finance really is something that's going to help you. See, God doesn't need our money. God God doesn't benefit by anything that we can do for him. He's already totally, completely self-sufficient. So if he's asking us to give, it's not actually for him. It's not even for the church. It's for you. And so today I want to show you this video so that you can see uh, for yourself. Now the Bible says this. It says this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. What I would like to take out from that is not under compulsion. This is not saying you have to give. The Bible's clear. Give what your heart says to give. This is not compulsion. My heart is never to make anyone do anything. This is not a fence. As we've said many times, we want to be a church that's a well and we don't want to actually create fences. So giving, I want to be a well and not a fence. So please listen to this. You know, I don't know whether you tithe or not. I'll never know. It's not my heart to do that. I don't sit there and go, well, this person ties, this person doesn't tithe because I don't want to judge you by those things. I don't want to have that in my heart. So at Emerge, we don't know. I mean, obviously our finance department knows because they're the ones who actually have to do uh, the actual transactions, but we don't know. So please sit back, watch this. I know that you're going to be encouraged because what's going to happen out of this is that your faith in God is going to increase. So I'm just going to pray and, uh, and then sit back and watch this video. Father, I pray that you would take the words of Pastor Robert Morris and that you would shine your light on your word, O oh God. Father, I pray that people see your heart in this, O oh God. And I just pray, O oh Lord, let them receive something this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you for that. If you're wondering where I am, I'm actually on holidays. My brother's come to visit me for my birthday, which was yesterday. And uh, I do want to say thank you to everyone for all your kind birthday wishes. I mean, Facebook is amazing. So much love. I just, my self-esteem's off the charts because of all the love that everyone gave me for my birthday. So have a great day. Enjoy the video. And I'll see you next week. God bless. Exodus chapter 13, please. Exodus chapter 13. I want to share with you the most important truth. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard uh, a, a pastor say that, but I really mean it. The most important truth that God has ever shown me in the Bible that has changed my life more than any other truth in the Bible since I've become a believer. And it's called the principle of first. 
This is a principle that runs all through the Bible. And simply put, when God is first in our lives, everything comes into order. I'm not saying you never have a problem, not saying you don't go through difficulties, but everything comes in order. When God's not first, everything's out of order. And this principle uh, has many different applications to it throughout Scripture, and I want to show you a few of the applications today, all right? Beginning in Exodus 13, uh, look at verse 1. Exodus 13, verse, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. Now, I want you to notice that phrase, it is mine. It's a very emphatic phrase in the Hebrew. It, it, it belongs to me. It is my property. It, it is mine. This, this phrase is, is uh, in the Hebrew a few times, and I'm going to show you the, the other places, what it refers to, because it's very important to understand that when God says this, he says, this belongs to me. It is mine. And he's first talking about the firstborn. Now, look down at verse 12. It says, you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. Now, we'll come back and talk about what all this represents. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. In other words, you're going to lose it. If you don't bring it to the Lord, you're going to lose it anyway. And all the firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. Okay, I have three points today. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write these down. If you're not taking notes, you could write these down. Uh, here, here's number one. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now that's what we just read in Exodus chapter 13. And obviously this is a principle in scripture that represents something in our relationship with Christ. The firstborn must be, there's no doubt about it, there's no uh, suggestion here, must be sacrificed or redeemed. But how do you know which one to do? How do you know whether you sacrifice it or redeem it? Well, God gives uh, examples of two animals that represent unclean and clean animals. The lamb representing a clean animal, the donkey representing an unclean animal. And here's what, here's what the principle is. If, uh, if you have an unclean animal and it has the firstborn, you actually have to redeem that firstborn because it belongs to God. Redeem means to buy back. You have to buy it back from the Lord with the sacrifice of a clean animal. If you have a clean animal and it has a firstborn, you actually have to sacrifice it to the Lord. You have to give it to the Lord. Okay, now... What in the world does this mean? And why would God even come up with something like this? Please let, let me remind you, everything in this book points to Jesus. Somehow, everything does. And so I want to just remind you, because I'm going to tell you in just a moment, and when I do, I, I think it's going to be uh, an aha moment you know, for you, okay? If, if your animal was clean, you had to sacrifice it. If it was unclean, it had to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Now, how does that relate to us? Here's how it relates. Let me ask you two questions. Were you and I born, now I'm talking about in our, our spiritual condition, 
were you and I born clean or unclean? Unclean. The Bible says that we were all born in sin. We were born with a sin nature. In other words, we had a bent towards sin from the very beginning. Uh, I, I could just prove this to you very easily by asking the experts here, the parents, did you have to teach your children to be bad? Or did it come naturally for them? It comes natural for them to be bad. We have to teach them to be good, right? That's because we were all born with a sin nature. Okay, in other words, we were born spiritually unclean. Okay, now let me ask you another question. Was Jesus born unclean or clean? Clean, okay, here's what we just read. Listen carefully. The clean Jesus had to be sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed. That's what we just read. That's what we just read. So it's very important to understand this. And I want to just take this a little bit farther because this is going to shock you. Here's what he was saying. If, you, if your animal has a firstborn, if you'll, if you'll sacrifice the first one to me, the rest are redeemed. The rest are blessed. Okay, what this represents in Scripture is our tithe. We give our tithe, the first 10% to God, and the 90% is redeemed. It's blessed. It's redeemed out from under the curse. You know, when, when God says, because you're not tithing, you're under a curse, you need to understand something. God's not cursing you. We live in a cursed world. And he wants to redeem our finances out from under the curse. But the only way he can do that is if we'll give him the first part. If we'll put him first so that everything else can come in order. So this principle actually represents the tithe. And here's what, what hurts me, I guess as a pastor, when people talk negatively about tithing. Because I don't think they realize what they're saying. Because maybe you've never thought about it this way. But Jesus is God's tithe. See, we give the tithe in faith before we have the rest. Before we pay the bills, we give the tithe. We bring the tithe to the house of God. Okay, in the same way, God gave Jesus in faith, in hope that we would come to him. God didn't wait to see if we would clean up to give Jesus. God gave Jesus when we were mocking him, spitting on him, and nailing him to a tree. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God gives Jesus in faith. So maybe you've never thought about it this way. Jesus is God's tithe. He gives Jesus first. Hopefully, and the Bible also says Jesus is the firstborn. The firstborn, clean, he was the clean, was sacrificed so the unclean could be redeemed. And, and, and it just breaks my heart as a pastor that so many people want to argue about the 10% and they don't understand that it's a principle of are you going to put God first or not? Are you really going to put God first in your life? And are you going to believe him that 90% with God's blessing will go farther than, than 100% without? When, when my daughter that you saw the picture of was dating Ethan, her husband, uh, they were gathered around with some young adults at our young adult service afterward. And uh, they were talking about, you know, what it would be like to, to date, you know, the pastor's daughter. You know, they were kind of joking around because Ethan told them, 
uh, you know, I'm a big hunter and I, I like to hunt. And when Ethan came to pick her up, I actually took him into the room where I have all the trophies and told him what a good shot I was. <laughs> I was just, you know, letting him know um, that um, I'll kill you if you touch her, you know. But anyway, um, so they were kind of joking about this. And one of them said, you know, your dad is so strong on tithing. They said this to my daughter. Your dad is so strong on tithing, I'll bet he actually checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. And my daughter said, he does. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> well, I, I, I can tell you why. Because I believe what the Bible says. The Bible says, if you don't tithe, you're robbing God. You're stealing from God. Okay, so let me just ask you a very simple question. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? I mean, I'm stronger on this because the Bible's stronger on this. And here's another thing. Jesus said it this way. If you can't handle money, who's going to give you true riches? And my daughter's true riches. So why would I give my daughter to a guy that can't even handle money? I mean, if he can't handle money, he definitely can't handle my daughter because she is a handful. <laughs> it's amazing to me that this is the only area, please hear this, it's the only area, tithing is the only area where God says you can test him. There's no other area where God says, test me. And he says it in about tithing. He says, test me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out such blessing, there will not even be room enough to receive it. And then he says this, and, and, that's kind of like if you call right now, <laughs> and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He doesn't even say for the kingdom's sake. He says for your sake. Can you imagine if you tithe, God actually rebukes the devil for you. You know the number one reason people tell me they don't tithe? Number one, they say, Pastor, I know I should. I know it's in the Bible, but I can't afford to tithe. Can I, can I tell you something lovingly? Please hear me. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Because tithing is what breaks the curse. Every time you start to get ahead, something else will go wrong. And God doesn't want that. He wants to bless you. But you have to put your faith in action. I have told our whole church on several occasions, I have told our whole church, you tithe for one year, and if you are not fully satisfied at the end of the year, I will give you your money back. Now, how can I say that? Because it's the Bible. I don't have to worry about it. It's the Bible. <laughs> I'll tell you, you tithe for one year. If you are not fully satisfied at the end of that year, Pastor Brian will give you your money back. <laughs> Thank you for letting me be here. This is the last time I will get to speak at Hillsong Church. So, okay, so the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. All right, here's point number two. The first fruits must be offered. Must be. There's not a doubt about this in Scripture. The first fruits must be offered. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. And here's the promise. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Exodus 23, verse 19. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. I just want you to notice a couple of things about that. First of all, he says where we bring the tithe. It's into the house of the Lord. 
Doesn't go to television ministry, doesn't go to Christian university, doesn't go to missionary, not the tithe. Now we do give offerings over and above to ministries, but the tithe comes into the house of the Lord. And he uses this word, bring. You shall bring the tithe. He never uses the word give when he talks about tithing. Here's the reason. You can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can just bring it into the house of the Lord. And again, this principle is all through scripture. Abraham asked for Isaac, his firstborn, before he had any more. Uh, God asked Abraham for Isaac before Abraham had more sons. So here's the point. God was saying, you give me the first one and the rest are blessed. Think about this. When, when Israel went into the promised land with Jericho, God said, bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord. Bring into the house of the Lord. Now, why didn't he say 10%? It's very simple. Because Jericho was the first city. Here's what he was saying. You, you bring the first in, the rest is blessed. And by the way, when they took some of it, he even used the word stolen. Someone has stolen because it belongs to God. It belongs to God. And so the second city, they were defeated until they returned the tithe to the Lord. And then from then on, they conquered every city. It, it's a principle all through scripture. When I was in a college, one of the students asked one of the professors, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's? And the professor said, I, I really don't know. And, I, and I, none of us knew. And until I saw this principle of the firstborn and the first fruit, and then it's, it's, it's simple. It's right there in front of you. Let, let, me, let me read it to you. Genesis chapter four, verses three through five. And in the process of time, now that's very, very important, okay? In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it doesn't say first fruits. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected, or that word could be translated received, Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. That's simple. There it is. Abel, who's a rancher, brought the firstborn. Cain, who's a farmer, doesn't bring first fruits. He just brings an offering in the process of time. Let me say it another way. He gave what he wanted when he wanted. And God said, I'm not accepting that. Do you realize how many Christians today say that very same thing? Here's what they do. They give what they want when they want. But we, we, we kind of Christianize it. We say, well, pastor, I give as I feel led. Well, here's the problem with that. That's like a man saying to me, I love my wife when I feel led. No, the Bible tells you how to love your wife. And the Bible tells us how to return the tithe to the Lord because it belongs to the Lord. Now, I'll tell you something shocking about this passage that you, you might have never seen before. It's not just that God would not accept Cain's offering. It's that God could not. There are some things God cannot do. You know, some people say, well, God's God. He can do anything. No, he can never act outside of his character. He can't. And one of the best studies you'll ever do, one of the best studies you can ever do is study the attributes of God. Because the attributes of God are not what he does, they are who he is. And because of who he is, he does what he does. So let me tell you some things God can't do, all right, just to, just to help us here. Uh, one is God can't change. He can't change. This is called the immutability of God. 
The reason, a very simple reason why God can't change is because if God could change, he could get better and God can't get better because he's best. Okay, he can't change. I'll tell you something else that God can't do, that this is kind of shocking, but God can't think the way we think. Now, let me clarify what I'm saying. God can't think the way we think. Now, let me tell you why. This is the attribute, his omniscience. Omnis, omniscience or omniscient. Uh, it comes from two words. Omni means all. Science means knowledge. God has all knowledge. He knows everything. I'll tell you something that might blow your mind if you just think about it some this week. God knows everything at the same time. He knows everything at the same time. The reason I say God can't think the way we think is because we think to figure things out. Okay, God's not trying to figure anything out. All right, let me say it another way. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never said, you know what I just thought of? I just thought of something I've never thought of before. He's never done that because he doesn't think the way we think. And even when I say that God can't think the way we think, you might have remembered a scripture and thought, wait, the Bible talks about his thoughts. Yes, but that scripture confirms this doctrine. Here's what that scripture says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think like you think. As the heavens are higher than the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So there are some things that God can't do because of who he is. Uh, so God can't change. He can't think like we think. I'll tell you something else God can't do. God can never be second. He can't. This is called the preeminence of God. It means he's higher than all, he's above all, he's, uh, he's first of all, he's first. Whether you put him first or not, he's still first. See, God may not be first in your life, but that doesn't change the order of the universe. <laughs> God's first. But here's what you need to understand. God can never be second. Let me tell you something else. God can never accept second place he never accepts a second offering. He says it in Malachi. He says, you're bringing me the lame and the blind and the maimed. I don't accept these. You know what he's saying? He's saying, because I'm worthy of the best. It's impossible. It, 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 it is a, a theological impossibility for God to ever be second place. He's first. So when we bring offerings, we have to bring the first. We have to bring the best for the best and the first to receive them. So the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Secondborn is the first fruits must be offered. Here's the third point, the tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. And that's the whole principle of tithing, which so many people miss. Leviticus 27 verse 30 says, and all the tithe of the land, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. Okay, this is the same Hebraic phrase that belongs to God. Firstborn is the Lord's. First fruit is the Lord's. The tithe is the Lord's. It belongs to God. It is holy to the Lord. Now, let me give you an a illustration of how this works out, all right? Uh, and it's a, it's a, it's, it has a little bit of math in it, okay? So uh, I understand math is not a strong suit for everybody. For me, it's a very strong suit. My father uh, is a mathematical genius. Um, and I, I'm not a mathematical genius, but numbers actually add up in my mind without me trying to get them to. 
It just happens, you know. Uh, my wife and I were buying something a while back. It was $7.99. And uh, we have sales tax, and the sales tax in that area is 8.25. And uh, so the lady said, I'll have to figure the sales tax on the calculator because the cash register is broken. And I said, uh, it's 66 cents. And she said, excuse me, I said 66 cents. So she did it on the calculator, and then she said, it's 66 cents. I won't say, yes, I know that, uh, but I didn't. I just said, oh, okay, you know. So we get out in the car, and my wife, Debbie, says to me, how do you do that? How do you, how do, you do that? I said, well, sugar, uh, it's, it's easy. 7.99 times 8.25 is 66. <laughs> and she said, mm-hmm, how do you do that? So then I thought, okay, I'll break it down because that's what you do in math. If you're a mathematician, you break things down. So that's okay. 7.99, you round to eight. Eight times eight is 64. A quarter of eight is two. 64 plus two is 66. I said, that should happen in less than a second in your mind, sugar. She said, it doesn't. She said, I do know, though, what 25% off means. So then I thought, okay, I'm going to check her math. So I said, okay, if you're buying something for $100 and it's 25% off, what does that mean? She said it means it's a good deal. <laughs> then she goes on and she says, and if it's 50% off, it's free. <laughs> I said, what? She said, yeah, 50% off is the same thing as buy one, get one free. <laughs> then she said, and if it's 75% off, you're making money. Which explains why she shows up sometimes with a whole bunch of packages and says, I saved you so much money today. <laughs> okay, so anyway, let me give you a little, a little math example. Uh, don't check out on me though, okay? The word tithe, by the way, in the Hebrew means tenth or, or 10%, okay? So let, let's say that you own a landscape company. And you come to my home and give me a quote. I want some, some plants and some trees and some shrubs and things. And you say, uh, Pastor Robert, uh, this is how much my materials will be. This is how much my labor will be. There's all my expenses. And, and my profit will be $1,000. If that's okay with you, if that's agreeable, and that'll be my, my take-home salary from this job. And I say, yes, that's agreeable. So you come do the job, you know, it takes you a few days or whatever. And then I, I decide for some reason to pay all of the expenses, materials, labor, all that stuff. And then I give you 10 $100 bills in your hand. That's your salary. You told me that's going to be your profit. Okay, so this is where the math comes in. It's not hard math, though, so don't check out on me. All right, so let's say you have 10 $100 bills in your head. You have $1,000, and the tithe is 10%. Okay, so two questions. Here's the first question. How much is the tithe? $100. I, some of you are, okay, carry the zero. Okay, okay, but... <laughs> That's okay. But if you have $1,000, the tithe is $100, okay? So it's one of the $100 bills, of the 10 $100 bills, right? Here's the second question, though. Which one is the tithe? Yeah, I mean, I know we're thinking the first one, but how do you know which one's the first? Okay, let me tell you how you know. It's the first one you spend. That's the tithe. That's the one that has the blessing on it. That's the one that has the ability to redeem the other nine out from under the curse, so if you go home and you say, okay, I'm going to set aside some for the mortgage, some for the car, some for groceries, and here's God's part. No, no, no. You gave God's part to the mortgage company. Don't give God's portion to the mortgage company because the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. 
Only God does. And here's what happens in a lot of homes. Okay, here's some for this, here's some for this, here's some for this. Oh, there's not enough leftover for God. Can I just tell you something? He wouldn't have received it anyway because he doesn't receive leftovers. He receives the best. He receives the first because he is the best and he is the first. So what we do is we say, God, here's your part. I'm returning this to you. It belongs to you. If I keep it in my account, according to your word, I'm a thief. I'm not gonna be a thief. I'm not gonna rob from God. So Lord, here's your part, and then here's for the other parts. And what happens is, there is a spiritual blessing on the other nine then. God blesses them. Now let me tell you something. I am not legalistic about this. I want you to understand that. I'm not legalistic about this. But this is the way it works for me. I get paid on the 15th and the 30th, and it's um, automatically deposited into my account. So on the 15th and 30th, it magically appears in my account. Here's what I do on those days. On those days when I'm having my quiet time, I go online during my quiet time and send the tithe to the church. I do all my banking online. So on the 15th and 30th, as soon as it comes in, it, it goes out. But again, I want you to know I'm not legalistic about it because I know we get busy. I know life is, you know, busy and hectic. So let's just say that on the 15th I get paid and I, I kind of rush out without having my quiet time. I have an early morning meeting and I do all meetings all day and then I come home and I think, oh, it's 15th, I got paid today. And so I go online to, to send the tithe to the church and I notice that Debbie has gone to the grocery store that day. Okay, I don't go, oh, that's great, sugar, we're cursed. You gave the tithe to Coles, and so, you know, we're cursed now for two weeks. No, I don't think God thinks that way either. It's a matter of the heart. So I'm not, I'm not trying to put a legalistic requirement on you, but I am trying to say there needs to be something in our heart that says the first is going to God. I'm giving the first 10% to God, and I'm going to trust God then to fulfill his word. Okay, let, let me go back to Exodus 13 and, and show you two more verses and then we're finished. Uh, look at verse 14. Exodus 13, verse 14. Now remember, this is the conversation about the firstborn, all right? Watch what he says here. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? In other words, why are you killing the firstborn? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Okay, here's what he's saying. He's saying one day your son's gonna ask you about this. And I want you to be able to explain to him why you do this. So think about this. Here's this Jewish family, and the young boy comes running into the kitchen, and he says, Mom, Dad, the, the sheep is having her firstborn. The sheep's having a lamb. And so the whole family gets up, and they go out to the barn, but on the way out of the kitchen, the dad grabs the butcher knife. And they get out to the barn, and they're all gathered around, and they say, Oh, the miracle of life. Oh, look how cute the little lamb is. Oh, look, it's standing up. It's standing up. And then the dad reaches over, picks the lamb up by its hind legs, and cuts his throat. And this little boy's watching this. So you know what he's thinking, don't you? Uh, 
Don't mess with dad. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what that lamb did, but I'm not doing that. But then the son gets older and, and it grows up, but it continues. Every time they have a firstborn, the dad kills it. And then one day you can see it, maybe the son is sitting at a desk and he's got you know, books and, uh, out in front of him and the, the, the books of the business and the dad comes in and, and I can just see it. I can just see him having my son saying, uh, Dad, uh, sit out a minute, Dad. Um, uh, Dad, I, I've been going over the books and um, I wanted to talk to you about something. Um, and Dad, listen, now you might not even know you do this, you know? Uh, we, have, we all have blind spots. And, um, but... Um, Dad, I was just noticing that, um, well, well, every time uh, one of our animals has a firstborn, you, um, how shall I say this, uh, kill it. <laughs> and um, uh, Dad, um, you killed 74 animals last year. And, and, and Dad, we're, we're, we're in the ranching business. This is our business, Dad. Uh, and um, so, I, I, why do you do this, Dad? And the father remembers what God said. And he says to him, son, um, it's time that you know. Our family wasn't always in the ranching business. We didn't have any animals. We didn't have any land. Son, I, I hate to tell you this, but we were slaves. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered us. Therefore, we gladly give to God the first of all of our increase. Now, this, again, this written 4,000 years ago, and I had it happen to me. I, I, I was, long time ago, I was paying the bills. And, and we, I didn't bank online back then. We didn't even have online banking. And so I, I wrote the tithe check. Now, now for you younger people, uh, our generation, we used to have little pieces of paper called checks. Okay. <laughs> so I know they're starting, they're going away. But anyway, so, so I wrote the, I would always write the, every time I'd pay the bills, I'd write the tithe check first and I'd settle over to the side. And then I would take it to church with me and, and, and put it in the offering. So here it was sitting over here. And I'm paying the rest of the bills. And my son, I don't remember how old he was, but he was old enough now to read and write and, and understand. And he has a real good math mind. So he kind of understood numbers, you know, very well for his age. And, and he comes in and he sees the tithe check. He sees it made to the church and he sees the amount. And you know, to a kid, that's a lot of money. And he just, his eyes got real big and he said, Dad, why are you giving so much money to the church? And I remembered this scripture. And I actually sat him on my lap and I said to him, son, I need to tell you something about daddy that you don't know. But daddy wasn't always a Christian. And daddy used to be a very, very bad man. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered your daddy. Therefore, I gladly 
give to God the first of all of my increase. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. At all the campuses, would you just close your eyes just for a moment, just for a moment. Here's the reason I'm asking you to do this. I want you to just be able to have a moment alone with God. You know, you're not here by accident. Maybe this is your first time here or you've just been coming for a while, but you're not here by accident. God drew you, God's been drawing you because he loves you. I wanna ask you, what is God saying to you today through this message? What are you hearing? Will you put God first in your life? If you're a believer and you struggled in this area, I understand that. Please don't feel condemned. I've struggled in other areas as well and even in this area. But please don't feel condemned. But would you make a commitment today? You know, I've heard it, I've heard it, but I've never heard it like this. And we just commit, Lord, we're going to do this as a family, as a, as a believer. I am going to put you first in this area of my life. We just make that commitment to him. And then some of you, Maybe you need to put God first in every area of your life. Maybe you would just say, Pastor, I know Jesus loves me. I know he died for my sins, I've heard that, but to be honest, he's not first in my life. And I wanna make him first today. And if that's you, I wanna pray for you. And please don't be embarrassed. I'm, no one's looking around at every campus right now, every service, but if you, if you would like for me to help you, if you'd like for me to pray with you, and I'm not gonna ask you to come down to the front, I'm not gonna ask you in any way to embarrass you, but you would say to me, Pastor, I need to put God first today. Would you just put your hand up where I can see it? Put it way up high. Don't be embarrassed at every campus. Don't be embarrassed. Please don't be embarrassed. Put it way up high. God bless you. God bless you, many of you. Can, you can put your hands down. I wanna just help you. I wanna lead you in a prayer, and what I'd like to do is just ask everyone to pray the prayer. So let's all just pray this prayer right now. Just repeat after me. Say, dear God, thank you for putting me first. Thank you. And right now, by an act of my will, I place you in first place. I receive Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me today. In Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. 